0: Hello, and welcome to the second in our podcast series on the impact of a low oil price environment. My name is Laurence Romanger. I'm a partner in our Paris office and part of our arbitration and public international law team. I'm with colleagues from London, Andrew Cannon, who is the co-head of our global public international law practice, and Hannah Ambrose, a senior associate in our public international law and energy teams. We would like to spend a few minutes speaking about dealing with states in the current low oil price environment, and in particular, we would like to explore how state actions in this context may trigger international law protections for foreign investors.
1: That's right. Thanks, Laurence. So, in the first podcast in this series, our colleagues Craig Tevendale, Chris Parker, and Charlie Morgan discussed dealing with states under contracts. But we're going to focus on non contractual relationships with states and how investment treaties may provide recourse to foreign investors both within and outside the oil industry, as many oil exporting countries respond with measures to address the impact of the low price of crude. It's clear that oil exporting countries are facing challenging times with the energy markets on which they rely for their export revenues in turmoil, and for many of these countries an enduring low oil price will lead to difficulty balancing the national budget. And could deplete foreign currency reserves.
0: Yes, for instance, you may already see that Nigeria foreign currency reserves have slipped considerably in recent times, and Algeria already had massively depleted currency reserves, dating back to low hold prices in 2014 and 2015.
2: And of course, some of the countries hit by the price crash may already be facing other issues, such as political instability, security concerns and corruption. And in many of these states, considerable hardships were already being suffered due to longer term economic crises. And as the situation worsens, governments are increasingly under pressure to react with short term measures and longer term reform. I mean, we've seen on numerous occasions how collapsing oil prices can precipitate significant political change. I think Algeria offers a classic example of this. Plunging oil prices in the 1980s gave rise to an economic crisis drastic austerity measures in order to keep servicing foreign debt, then political unrest and ultimately a civil war. And Algeria faces this latest fall in the price of crude after over a year of protests pushing for political reform. And of course, Algeria is by far not the only oil exporting nation in which the stability of the political environment is already fragile.
1: Well, this kind of macroeconomic event and and the challenge that it presents for states is naturally concerning for foreign investors. There's an obvious link between oil exporting countries and inward FDI, and we're not only talking about international oil companies, IOCs, who are obviously engaged in long-term exploration and production ventures. Oil revenues regularly fund other capital-intensive state projects, infrastructure, telecoms, and so on. 90% of Iraq's government spending, for example, is funded by oil revenues, and these kind of projects are often supported by foreign investment. So as states react to the low oil price, including by addressing the ensuing economic and or political fallout, it's almost inevitable that foreign investors will be impacted. And in similar circumstances, we have seen foreign investors having recourse to international law protections under investment treaties.
0: Yes, but maybe before we go on to consider some examples, it would be helpful to recap very briefly what investment treaties are. So these are agreements between two or more states containing reciprocal undertakings for the promotion and protection of private investment made by nationals of the state signatories in each other's territories. Such agreements have historically been entered into to provide confidence to foreign investors that their investment will not be negatively if affected by certain types of irregular action by the state hosting the investment, commonly known as the host state. And if this is the case, to enable the investor to claim damages for violation of treaty obligation. Most treaties include a core set of protections, including a guarantee of fair and equitable treatment, a prohibition on unlawful expropriation, and protections which guarantee a foreign investor treatment which is no less favorable than domestic investor or foreign investors from another country. In general, these are bilateral arrangements called bilateral investment treaties or BITs, multilateral treaties or free trade agreements containing investment protection. The protections offered by investment treaties can be enforced against the whole state by the investor, usually by international arbitration. Importantly, there does not need to be any contractual relationship between the investor and the whole state. So that's investment
1: treaties in a nutshell. Thanks, Well, Of course, not every state action which detrimentally impacts foreign investment will constitute a breach of an investment treaty. We should make that very clear. Governments will inevitably need to respond to macroeconomic events such as the falling price of crude in a way that protects the interests of those they govern. However, when we look at the kind of actions we may anticipate as states react to the drop in oil price. It is possible that investment treaties may be relevant to IOCs and also foreign investors in other sectors. And for states themselves, as they weigh up their response to the current environment, the international law obligations which they have assumed under these treaties must necessarily be part of their range of considerations. So if we touch on a few examples, as you mentioned, Laurence, investment treaties usually protect against unlawful expropriation. Now, high oil prices often lead states to focus on whether they are sufficiently benefiting from the exploitation of their natural resources. Nationalization of oil investments, other state interference with private property rights in the sector in the late 2000s by, for example, Venezuela, Bolivia, Ecuador, have been seen by many as having been encouraged by high oil prices. But even when prices are low, states may be under pressure to maintain a certain level of revenue from oil and may find ways to try to increase state take.
2: Yes, and this could be by way of an express review or forced renegotiation of petroleum contracts to increase government share or by increasing taxes or using other fiscal instruments such as levies, corporate income taxes, profit taxes or resource rent taxes or even value-added taxes. And more general tax rises that may be introduced to compensate from loss of oil export revenue may, of course, impact foreign investment outside of the oil industry.
1: That's right. And while investment treaties regularly contain provisions which preserve the state's right to impose taxation, certain levies on foreign oil revenues have nonetheless previously been found to constitute an indirect expropriation of an investment and perhaps to violate an investor's legitimate expectations, breaching the guarantee of fair and equitable treatment that's found in many investment treaties. One example is the second Murphy and Ecuador case. Ecuador reacted to high oil prices. But nonetheless, I think the case is a useful illustration of the value of investment treaties. Essentially, Ecuador enacted a hydrocarbons law imposing a 99% windfall levy on foreign oil revenues. The tribunal found that the measure represented a unilateral change by the state to the terms of the participation contracts and found that Ecuador had breached the guarantee of fair and equitable treatment.
0: Yes, and Andrew, that case also illustrates how a change in oil price can affect the economics of these kind of contracts in a manner which induces the state to try to effect a rebalancing through non contractual means. For instance, if the state is exposed to low oil prices in the context of its contract with IOCs, so there may be pressure put on the IOC to renegotiate those contracts in order to get the IOC to shoulder more of the risk of low oil prices. There was also, in Algeria, in 2006, Algeria as did Ecuador introduce a windfall tax on the oil revenues of multinational that had been increased in 2013. As a result of the introduction of this tax, a number of arbitration proceedings based on contracts took place and had been initiated for multi-billion dollars and end out in the signature of settlement agreements and renegotiation of a number of contracts which significant foreign investors. As well, you may have investors in a joint venture or other collaborative relationship with a national oil company that may face increasing interference from the state in the management of the national oil company, impacting the contractual performance of the national oil company, and ultimately the investment. Again, depending on the circumstances, such state interference may constitute a breach of the IOC treaty rights. Moreover, and it's an interesting legal topic which we don't have time to explore in any detail. It is possible that actions of the national oil company itself could be attributed to the state, and therefore, depending on the circumstances, constitute a breach of a treaty.
2: Besides production agreements and the like, states may take action to undermine other contracts with investors if they become less favorable in the context of the low oil price environment. Deutsche Bank's treaty claim against Sri Lanka is a good example of the intersection of low oil prices, state action, and investment protection worth dwelling on briefly so deutsche bank entered into a hedging agreement with sri lanka's national oil company at a time of high oil prices this was intended to provide a hedge against further increases which would affect the noc in its purchasing of oil for import into sri lanka with the benefit of hindsight the agreement was entered into at the peak of the market and further to the unexpected drop in oil prices in late 2008 the noc was left exposed So against the backdrop of considerable public criticism, Deutsche Bank's hedging agreement was then detrimentally affected by actions of the Sri Lankan state, including some very swift Sri Lankan Supreme Court proceedings, a central bank investigation into the NOC's hedging agreements with a number of international banks, and an order of the Sri Lankan Monetary Board. Deutsche Bank succeeded on both claims of breach of the guarantee of fair and export treatment and expropriation.
1: And that case is an excellent example of how investment treaty arbitration, based on treaty protections existing at international law and before an independent arbitral tribunal may represent an alternative to a contractual remedy. It also shows how states need to tread carefully and pay due regard to their international law obligations when responding not only to unexpected changes in economic circumstances, but also to public pressure.
0: Public pressure to react may very well rise in the event of an impending or worsening economic crisis. Investment treaties will naturally be relevant consideration for foreign investors and states in the context of such measures. Indeed, when faced with similar circumstances, states have voluntarily depreciated currency, imposed actual or de facto capital control by way of freezing certain banking activity, and forced currency conversion. Of course, we've seen this in particular by reference to Argentina, and more recently in the context of the European debt crisis both of which led to investment treaty claims.
2: Yeah, a number of states have already reacted to the financial difficulties caused by the low price of crude. Lebanon, for example, temporarily closed banks, stopping free flow of funds completely, and thereafter imposed restrictions on withdrawal and transfer. And it's been reported that Nigeria's central bank will enable foreign investors to repatriate their funds in due course, but for now they're asked to be patient as foreign exchange, mostly US dollars, I think, is devoted to what Nigeria sees as strategic imports. And many investment treaties contain a free transfer or repatriation provision, which guarantees investors' rights to freely transfer funds, including profits, which could be infringed by these kind of restrictions. Other state measures to address economic difficulties could constitute, for example, an expropriation or a breach of the fair and equitable treatment standard.
0: Yes, and leaving aside such immediate measures, The destabilizing effect of another oil price crash could give rise to widespread economic and political reform in a number of oil-exporting countries, changing the investment environment, impacting foreign investment in a number of ways, and potentially violating the state treaty obligation.
1: And finally, it's worth just mentioning that a low oil-price environment, economic crisis or political instability could lead or, or contribute to deteriorating security conditions perhaps increased insurgency or civil unrest or or disruption, and if this were to impact on foreign investment, whether or not directly connected to the oil industry. The full protection and security standard found in many treaties may be relevant. That standard is generally accepted to refer to the state's obligation to protect the physical integrity of an investment against interference by use of force. And it was invoked by investors in recent claims, for example, against Egypt in respect of an oil pipeline uh, and Libya in respect of a construction project. Great. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. We've tried to draw out some themes, but of course, the relevance of investment treaties in all of these situations is is circumstance specific. And if you'd like to discuss these issues further, then, then please do not hesitate to get in contact with any of us or with your usual Herbert Smith Freehills contact. So thank you to Laurence and to Hannah. And many thanks to you all for listening. Goodbye.